All right, Ephesians chapter 5. As we said last week, we looked at the husbands. Today, we're going to consider the call to wives. God's word says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Father, give us clarity. Father, I ask for grace to communicate your truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been looking at, men and women are different by design, and uh, when husbands and wives come together, it it could be like it's an entree that features spaghetti over a big Belgian waffle. It just doesn't seem to go together sometimes. But I've heard that analogy before in the past, and I draw it out now. Men are the waffles. Our brains are very segmented. And things fit very nicely in a little cube. And it doesn't touch other things over there. So when a a guy, the the saying is true, out of sight, out of mind, out of mind, out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. That's true for us. That's why we can come home. We have finished work. We come home. And we pass the same thing that you have asked us to fix about a thousand times. And we don't see it. Because we're home, and in our minds, I'm home. That's what I'm going to do now. I'm home. Now, ladies, on the other hand, you're more like spaghetti. Everything touches all the time in very intricate and unseen and personal ways. Everything is where, where a man might be out of sight, out of mind. A woman is more always visible, always thinking about it. So you are, you are aghast at why we can pass the same thing a thousand times and not see it. Because you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about that dripping faucet. Because everything touches. We can go to sleep because if it's an issue with the kids, just, that's their issue. I'm going to sleep. Ladies can't sleep. Trying to figure out... How do we do this? What do we, how do we, and you're irritated with us because we can sleep, and I I wish I could sleep, but like you sleep and I can't sleep. Yet, here, this is what God brings together. He brings these two together for his glory, to delight in his glory and to display his glory. As we saw last week, he brings husband and wives together so the world can see Jesus' love for us. And the intention and, and what uh, we in, in evangelicalism have tried to explain how God brings husbands and wives together is using the word complementarian, a lot of syllables. And then you do the ism, complementarianism, is the, the understanding of appreciating the differences that we have, but we complement one another. Where there are strengths and weaknesses, we complement and the roles that God calls us to play. We complement each other as we faithfully obey those respective roles. 
Now, there's a contrast to that, and that's egalitarianism, where men and it's the, the thought that uh, the striving for men and, weak, men and women to be equal in all realms, like true 50 50. Now, where egalitarians want to eliminate differences, complementarians want to appreciate those differences in appropriate ways. Now, the problem comes in is when we treat our differences as being wrong. You're different than me. We, we appreciate you are different, and we need to learn to work together in our differences. But when we begin to think that our differences are wrong, you don't think like me, so you are wrong. You, you uh, prefer that, and I prefer this, so you are wrong, and husbands and wives do it to one another. We fight for our desires, and when we fight for our desires, we will treat the differences of the other as sinful offenses. That's where you always say this. You never respond to me. But Jesus embraces each of us individually as he's designed us, seeking to love us into his holiness. So our hope today for husbands and wives, our hope is that as we experience the love of Jesus, we grow into his holiness. We, we become holy like he is, holy in thought, holy in action. So our, our big thought today for wives, wives are called to demonstrate the response of Jesus' love through submitting themselves to their husbands with the inviting effect of embracing Jesus. Now we have to help us understand submission. Our first point is a submission that stands. In our culture, uh, submission is seen as giving up your mind, giving up your will, giving up your emotions for some creep who's going to mistreat you. It's inevitable you are giving up and you are, you are relegating yourself to slavery and servitude. You need to be a strong woman that can do everything without a man. Now within the kingdom of Christ, submission is, and I put these, this, Susan Hunt gives a wonderful understanding of, of uh, submission in women's ministry in the local church, her book, uh, and Peter O'Brien in his commentary on Ephesians. But I put these, I kind of blend their thoughts together to come up with this definition. It's a biblical definition of submission. The voluntary and freeing disposition of the heart, embracing the divine, divine order and leader, divine order of leadership, sorry about that typo, of leadership and authority as a reflection of Jesus. So look, voluntary. Nobody's forcing anybody else into submission. Husbands using that verse over their wives as if they have to do everything that the husband says, that's wrong. That's a misunderstanding of what's happening. It is a voluntary, freeing disposition of the heart that embraces the divine order of leadership and authority as a reflection of Jesus. Biblical submission is the blessed response to the loving leadership, ladies, of Jesus. Biblical submission doesn't bind us, it frees us. It's one of the amazing paradoxes of the kingdom agenda. The way up is down, the way to live is to die first. Uh, we need to give in order to receive, we need to become weak in order to be strong, we need to submit in order to be free. And that, that's in our relationship with Christ, every, every one of us. As we submit to Christ, we enjoy the freedom of, of his love and uh, serving him. So there... Uh, Biblical submission is that which not, not acquiesces and, and suffers. Biblical submission stands in strength. 
to a clinging to Christ. True biblical submission doesn't reveal weakness, but it reveals a supernatural strength. Clinging to the position that you have as, uh, with Christ as his heirs from Romans 8.17 and that he has seated you in heavenly places with him, Ephesians 2.6. This is why. This is why I, I call on daughters of God to be fierce in their femininity. Daughters of God should live with a powerful intensity to maintain the divine order so Jesus can be clearly seen. Ladies, when you submit, you show Jesus' submission to the Father. When you serve, you show Jesus submitting by serving, not coming to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's what's on display. And we see this this fierceness, this uh, powerful intensity In the excellent wife of Proverbs 31, I know ladies, you probably look at Proverbs 31 and think, I never want to see that, get that out of my way, because maybe you're just in touch with a condemnation from it. But listen to what the excellent wife is. She was actively displaying and bringing about the glory of God as she served her husband and her children. And she was a boss. She's buying property. She's selling things. She's up before the sun. She's making sure that her home is a place that thrives and flourishes. She she is active in this. That's that's a strong submission. And that's what God wants it to be seen as. The submitted wife stands with Christ. She stands with and for her husband as she submits to Christ. Paul told wives to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. The understanding is that uh, they're already submitting to Jesus, so they should submit also to their husbands as the outworking of their primary submission to Jesus. Now, husbands, remember, we are to be submitting to Jesus. We We are to be submitted to Christ, and when we submit to Christ, we invite the the response of our wives to submit to us submitting to Christ. The submission of the church submitting to Christ is stated as fact, and we invite the submission of our wives by submitting to Jesus. Think about this, gentlemen, husbands. We woo our wives with our submission to Jesus. We are immensely attractive to our wives when we submit to Jesus, when we pray, when we are in the word. Our wives are really attracted to us then. See, men, this might crush some guys. Your wife doesn't care about your physique. She doesn't care about your athleticism. That only matters to other guys. Guys walk into a room and we figure out who we're stronger than. That's what we do. And we know if somebody else is stronger than we are, we give them props. We're like, eh, that dude's pretty strong. All right, that's cool. But we try to figure out, we walk into a room with other guys and we posture ourselves by, by giving respect and, and making sure, okay, I know my place. I figured it out. So gentlemen, other guys care about muscles and other guys care about athleticism. That doesn't matter to your wife. And thankfully so, our physiques don't matter. I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> but listen, we are no, there is no greater handsomeness than when we are submitting to Christ. 
That's when, in all that spaghetti, that infiltrates everything and touches it even when we don't understand. But ladies, wives, look to Jesus. Because here, I think, is a, a, a snag. When, when you are not submitted to Christ, but you're trying to be submitted to your husband, you will begin to look to your husband and extract from him and, and demand from him what only Jesus can provide for you. Submit to your husband as you're already submitting to the Lord because get your fulfillness, uh, fulfilling and your satisfaction, get that from Jesus so you're freed in your relationship with your husband and you don't extract emotion, you don't extract friendship. It's just the natural result of your submission. Now, there's submission that stands. There's also the second point, submission that supports. I heard said years ago that submission is coming under the mission of another. And I think it's a helpful phrase for us to think about. Wives are to come under the mission of their husbands as faith-filled responders to their husband's leadership for the welfare of the family and for the welfare of the church. As the husband leads and extends, we, we said last week, the canopy of trust by his submission to Christ and its loving leadership, the wife then gladly responds in faith for what God will do. So we have this initiating of the husband and giving an atmosphere of trust, but we have then wives who respond. And it, that canopy of trust provides the welcoming, it provides the opportunity to invite that response of faith from the wife. Now, this comes under fire because men are lazy and they frustrate their wives by not listening, by not working at home like we work outside the home. So we, we will disrupt that canopy of trust. But the wife can also disrupt this I think by switching the subject of her submission. Now, when we look at how men and women are wired, uh, the man is called to a task. He needs to complete the task of working God's glory and fulfilling working God's glory to fill the whole earth. It's the task of the man. So whether that's uh, whatever profession the man is doing, that's what he's working. Now, the wife is called to the man. So the man is called to the task. The wife is called to the man. When there's a proper submission, there'll be the, the support and help. And the husband will understand that sometimes he needs to get off the task to serve his wife. Now, the temptation for the wife is to demand more and more of this attention. And when he's not given to the task, he feels incomplete. He feels like he's not fulfilling what God's doing because he feels like, no, I need, to, I need to tend to my wife, I need to tend to my family. So in your relationship with your husband, you can demand and bring it. And I think when that happens, you are switching the subject or, of your submission. No longer are you submitted to Christ. You might be submitted to your perfectionism, to your desires and wants to have a comfortable life. And those are the things that, that, that those are the snags that come in the husband Last week said the husband's called to meet all of his wife's needs. And the wife now, Paul says, is called to submit in everything. It, God gets to use those kind of words. Always, never, everything. We don't get to use those. God gets to use those. So he says submit in everything. So how is this supposed to work? 
Understand the difference between your needs and your wants. And don't make demands of your wants. Know the difference so you're able to support and help your husband identify what you need. Weirdly enough, you need to do that because we, remember, segmented, mind segmented, don't spill over very much. Wants will carry you off into sinful comparisons, which will then make you demand your husband to meet that unfulfilled desire. You must not submit to your perfectionism or your comfort or posturing for your kids' successes. When you submit your wants, I'm sorry, when you submit to your wants, you will manipulate your husband into being your helper while forsaking your call to be his helper. And when your wants are not submitted to Christ, your demands will give in to nags. It'll be nice at first. Hon, can you please help with this? But then the nags will, will turn to demeaning barbs. Oh, another game, huh? Hmm. And then it turns into quarreling, just fighting. Remember what James says about fights and quarrels? James 4, 1, 3, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder your covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. These are happening in all of us, and it's the source of all the quarreling and fighting that we have in marriage. But we have to, be, we have to learn to be adept at recognizing the wants that are, and the cravings that are taking control in our hearts. When our wants then fall in line with worldly wants, we have strife. And look, ladies, we live in an affluent culture in this parish, in this area. And my encouragement to all the wives is to please be on guard to not being caught up in the never-ending comparisons that sow bitterness and sorrow into your soul because you always look at somebody else that has what you think is better. And you look to your husband and you say, now you're a creep because you won't give me that. That could be something tangible. It could be the intangible of your children's success. Don't switch the subject of your submission. You are submitted to Christ. You stand with Christ and you serve your husband. Trust in the Lord to meet your needs through your husband. This doesn't mean you stop helping him identify needs. We need help to identify needs. It means you do it in the way that Jesus does it, and that's with kindness. Romans 2.4, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. God is kind to us, and that's what welcomes change in our lives. We might say, man, God really walloped me with that. Man, he, he took a two-by-four to my head on that one. He doesn't do that. We say that. Because when we recognize through his kindness that we've been wrong, it hits us really deeply and we think, oh God, that's, oh, I now I see. My wife, to her astounding credit, she's learned to do this well. On my days off, she will very wisely say, what's on your list today? Tasks to complete. And now a joke is, I'm drinking my coffee when she's asking me that. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing it. This is my list. Having my coffee and just sitting. 
I plan to sit all day. I know that frustrates my wife. So, <laughs> she'll be like, I gave you 45 minutes with your coffee. Okay, it's time. No, but she's learned. What's on your list? She's deferring to me. What would you like to accomplish today? Did you have anything in mind? Every now and then, those line up. Her list and my list. All right, we had the same list. That's great. More times than not, I'm adjusting my list to meet her list. Because when it happened yesterday, can you please clean out the clogged drains? Oh, yeah. I'm preaching on that tomorrow. Yes, I'll do it. Absolutely, hon. I'm doing that right now. Because she's been asking me about two months. But she has been, she has been my helper to help me identify the needs that she has. Because she just wants to be able to walk and not smell the, the nastiness from a clogged drain. You know what I'm talking about, the, the odor that comes. You know, you know. I'm not going on. Ladies, build into your husband with life-giving words. He knows he's a failure. He knows it. And that's why when you point it out to him, he sinks deeper because he knows he's a failure. He doesn't want to be reminded of it all the time. Build with life-giving words to be able to help him. But listen, help him see Jesus. And, and you help him see Jesus by your faith-filled response to what he's doing. Because that's when submission shines. And your submission shines through steadfast love. Remember, wives, uh, your first inclination is to love. Uh, a husband's first inclination is to respect. Your first inclination is to love, and that's where we see Jesus. Wives have the unique posture to highlight the love of Jesus for his bride as he's patient with them in becoming holy like he is. The ladies, Jesus is on display to your children and to the lost when you are patient with the lump known as your husband. Wife, your husband is a struggling sinner in need of grace, and you have the opportunity to know Jesus personally by the steadfast love that you show your husband. Don't overlook how God wants to change your heart to see Jesus in the midst of you being patient with his stubbornness or his laziness. And ladies, your love is not to be dependent upon his performance in meeting your needs. You are to love him without waiting for him to love you in a particular way. You are not to withhold affection or even praise. You are not to withhold yourself until he gets it right. Until he can just be respectful. I'll give him respect when he's respectful. When he does something worthy of respect. Now God's saying to you, love him and respect him. Do it before he does it for you as a demonstration of Jesus' love for you. Respect him before he's worthy of respect. And when you love like this, you love like Jesus does. He doesn't wait for us. Jesus doesn't wait for us to perform for him to give us his affection. He gives us his affection, and through that affection and kindness, we want to be more like him. And as you love your husbands in this way, you will demonstrate that unending, steadfast love. But again, here's another snag, a little trip up. 
when your husband is not performing as you desire, you will turn your love onto your children. And you will love your children in ways that make your husband feel like he's left out in the cold and not even sometimes a member of the family. And all of the intention and all the the thoughts that you put into making sure the kids have everything just right, the husband can feel that's some cool intentionality. I wish I had some of that. Beware of your love. Beware of giving more love to your children than you do your husband. Don't love your children more than your husband. And you're nurturing. It's easy to do. But you're, the greatest thing for your children is to see them, to, to see their parents loving one another. See a dad that's submitted and to, to Christ and see a wife that is standing with her husband and with Christ submitting to her husband. Now your submission shines through your steadfast love and your submission shines with embracing Jesus. You will model redemptive love as you love and as you respect your husband. And when you respond to his love for you, however imperfect his love, no matter what, if it's falling short, still respond. Because look how, look how the church responds. You can look in the rest of chapter 5, how the church responds to Jesus uh, with purity. When Jesus is loving them, the church is to respond with, I want to be holy like you, Jesus. I want to be pure. I want my speech to be edifying. I want to have truthful partnerships. I want to please you, Jesus. I want to walk in the wisdom that you have for my life, and I want to be filled with your spirit. And we turn around to Jesus with his love, and we praise him. So ladies, here's a list of what, how you can respond to your husband to highlight the church's response to Jesus as we wait for our coming king to be holy in everything that we are, to give edifying speech, even when we're talking about other people, to have truthful partnerships, to not, not have this wondering about how relationships are going, to pursue wisdom, to be filled with the Spirit and praise. This is unique. Because ladies, you... You will be, I think I, I don't know if I said this last week, I, I say it at every wedding that I do. You will be wings to your husband or you will be a weight. If you want to be wings to your husband, praise him. You know, you're clenching your tooth for it, you know. How much else do you do it? That's what we have to figure out. Because if God, God's not giving us an impossible task, he's not giving you an impossible task, he's giving us what he's already provided in his spirit. So maybe you just haven't been looking for it. Maybe he has done something to serve you. Maybe he has done something to serve the kids that you can just highlight and say thank you. Thank you for doing that. And then when you tell, tell somebody else about it, now husbands, don't sit down. All right, check. I'm sitting down. Fulfilled that, nope. You keep on going, you keep on pursuing your wife, and you keep on romancing her, and you keep on living for Jesus with everything you are as the most highly attractive thing that you can be for your wife. But ladies, when you praise your husband, you show the church's praise of her Savior. You have the opportunity to highlight the response of the church to her Savior as you exhibit these qualities of your own husband. When you show him respect, when you show him respect to your children, when you show him respect in the church, everyone will know then at that moment what it's like to embrace Jesus and respond to him, to the example that you provide of embracing 
your husband. So my, my conclusion, wives, is this. Adorn yourselves with Jesus. Because that's really attractive too. That's really attractive to us. When you adorn yourself with Christ, that's when satisfaction finds its fulfillment. That's when, that's when we as husbands, we say, I'm satisfied with you. I don't want anything else. I want you. As you look more and more like Jesus and look for marriages that looks like husband, be more like Jesus. Wives, be more like Jesus. And we'll find a flourishing community of love, respect, Jesus on display. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for your Spirit's illumination that highlights uh, one, where we, where we uh, need to shore things up in our belief of you, where our actions need to correspond with our belief in you, but ultimately, anytime we hear the word preached and we look at the perspective from Scripture, we believe you. And that's the most important thing that when we come together, that's the most important thing. We want to believe you. And you have laid out a course for us that when husbands and wives walk these rolls out, faithfully fulfilling these roles, not perfectly, but faithfully. We see Jesus, because that's our greatest need. Please, God, transform marriages. Father, I pray that you would ignite passion again in marriages, no matter uh, how long we've been married. God, ignite passion and romance and desire because we want to see Jesus in one another and edify the work of God in each other's lives. God, bring that about. Please, your glory. And may we help each other walk that out. We love you. In Jesus' name.